Hello, this is Jeremy and Kristen with the Homegrown Family Podcast, practical resources for resilient families. Today we're going to be talking about kids' allowances, and sometimes this can be a controversial topic, so we're going to share just a couple ideas that we've used with our own family over the years. These are not right or wrong answers, just some outside-the-box ideas that worked well for teaching our kids about money. So Jeremy, why do we need to teach our kids about money and how to use it? Well, I think teaching our kids at a young age about money is a critical life skill. And if they learn the proper ways to use money at a young age, I think it'll serve them well throughout their lives. Obviously, money is a two-sided beast. Um, It can be useful for a lot of good things, but it can also cause a lot of problems and heartache in your life. And if we allow our kids to experience some of the joy and failure of money at a young age, uh, we will hopefully save them from experiencing larger degrees of heartache at an, at an older age. So with our kids, uh, we obviously worked to integrate uh, an allowance system into their lives at a pretty young age to begin to teach those lessons to them. So at our house, we didn't like the idea of just giving our kids money just to live in our house, but we also didn't like paying them per chore So we were trying to think outside the box on something we could do to teach our kids about money, and we really believed that the only way to teach them about money was to put money in their hands. So at our house, we came up with a structured allowance system for our kids that looked a little different with the younger kids than it did with the older kids. So for our younger kids, we are basically just giving them, one of them gets a dollar and one of them gets five dollars per week. And the whole purpose of that, it's not tied to chores or anything that they're doing. The whole purpose is just to get their get money in their hands so that we can teach them about spending, saving, giving to prepare them for what we're doing with them um, in the older years. So each of our two younger kids has a box that's labeled spend, save, and give. And they have to put 10% in their give box, 10% in their save box, and then they can spend the rest. So by the time they get into um, middle school and high school, when we change to a much more structured allowance system, it's a no-brainer for them to put 10% and give and save. They're already used to that in the habit. So the whole purpose of allowance with our little kids is just to get them in the habit of dividing their allowance into spend, save, give. We're not really tying it to anything that they're doing. We're not making a big deal about they're working to earn this money. If they want to earn extra money, then we will offer them things they can work for around the house. But this is just plain putting money in their hands so we can teach them the habit of money. So Jeremy, can you explain a little bit about our structured allowance system that we started around sixth grade with our kids? Yeah, so around middle school, I remember we were having some sort sort of discussion between you and I on how best to handle allowance at that age, because it's like, do you just keep increasing their allowance? Then what's the expectation on what they're spending their money on? For us, we wanted to begin to teach our kids how to live their lives and realize that their finances are a part of what they're able to do. So we, we were already spending money on activities and Um, things like clothing and stuff for the kids. And I think it was your idea, Kristen. Well, let's just take what we've got in our budget for the kids and basically give that to them in cash over the, you know, divided up over the course of the year with the expectation that they are now responsible for 
paying for those things. So some of those things would be like uh, camps that they would want to go to, that they go to every year, or buying clothes. Um, I can't remember if there was anything else big. Middle school and high school activities. Oh, yeah, church activities that would, would have expense associated with that. We, at this point, knew what you know those activities that they were going to do were going to be. So we sat down, and for the older three, we mapped out what we thought we were planning on spending on them throughout the course of the year and decided that we would just give them that money in cash with the expectation that they would then have to pay for it. Now, uh, in a sense, that's a net zero to them because if they're going to go to a camp that costs $400 and we're going to pay for it either way, you know, it's not going to cost them or it's not going to cost them any more or less for us to route the money through them and then back to us. But it promotes the idea in their minds and begins to build habits of understanding on their front on their front to how they need to budget their money because they will know that they have a large expense coming up say at the in the spring or uh whenever you know the camp fees are due and they have to have make sure that they have that money in the bank so when we moved into the middle school years, we, we basically did this for all three of the older kids uh, where we, we went to this sort of model. Now, um, Chris and I know we had a couple of unique situations just between kids because uh, we have some kids that cared more about certain things than others. Why don't you tell them a little bit about uh, some of the differences between uh, what we did with Noah and Molly, for instance. Okay, so we had um, oldest who was quite a bit of a saver and then um, a girl who really liked clothes and liked a lot of clothes. And then our middle boy uh, was, <laughs> what do I want to call him? Um, frugal? Cheap? Is frugal the right word? Like a swindler. Like <laughs> well, he's a hustler. Our youngest, let's call him a hustler, I guess. I don't know what else to call him. Uh, he was really good at figuring out how to keep money in his pocket and pay the least he could for something or make money on the side. So he became kind of a tricky one. So we realized with him and Molly that we were going to need to give Molly actually more money. And for him, we were not going to require him to buy his own clothes because we knew what he would do is pocket the money for clothes and then wear the same outfit for 12 months of the year and he wouldn't have cared at all now kind of a side bonus that came out of this that we had no idea was going to happen when we started this was now that our kids were paying for their own clothes when grandma gave them clothes at christmas it suddenly became really a good present whereas before they would kind of roll their eyes or like throw the clothes to the side like whatever this isn't a good christmas present and suddenly that changed for them when you're buying your own clothes and somebody just gifts you a pair of jeans and a nice sweatshirt whoa that's a hundred dollars in my pocket that i don't have to buy so we we wrote out the clothes and all the expectations that we had for them, which took a little bit of time on our part, but I think was really well worth it in the end. So I think we had decided they did not have to buy winter coats, gloves, mittens. Maybe shoes. Um, yeah, some shoes. There were a few things that we outlined that we were still going to buy just because we were trying to not overcomplicate this and not like completely break them on what they were buying but essentially, like Jeremy said, it should have been all a net zero. They should not have had to spend any money for themselves. One thing that happened, though, through this, a silver lining also, 
was um, there were times where Noah, our third, who was not great at budgeting, would have spent all his money and then all of a sudden he's due for winter blast or a youth retreat in the winter that was coming up. And uh, he also, around the end of the year, wanted to buy a pass to Adventureland that we had we had budgeted in for him and had planned for that. But he didn't have the money at the end of the year. And that year, my parents happened to give all of the grandkids a big chunk of cash from a stock payout that no one was expecting. And so it was really neat to see Noah pray through that and then to have his prayers answered and have his need, want, provided for in that way. So Jeremy, one thing that we did was open debit cards for our kids and you had set up like a parent account with Capital One, although I'm sure there's a lot of banks that do this. How did that work out and what are we doing now with the kids on uh, passing money around? Yeah, so um, moving money within the family um, is evolved over the years. Um, when I, when I first started looking at savings accounts for the kids, the interest rates were extraordinarily low. So it was basically worthless uh, to have their money in the bank. And I looked at setting up some sort of an investment account with the, you know, with an investment firm, which of course you can do. It's, um, you can set up minor accounts and stuff like that. There are some minimum deposits. It seemed all seemed quite complicated to me. So, um, on the savings front, what we ended up doing was I essentially created what I called Cooper Savings and Loan, which allowed the kids to deposit money with us at a very attractive uh, interest rate that we set up so that it spurred them to want to put money into savings. And there were a few interest rate steps. So the more that they had in the in, our, in the in their account with us, the more interest they would they would earn. There were, I think, three or four different interest rates depending on how much they had in the account, and they were pretty aggressive interest rates. But um, you know, we were basically paying the kids to save money uh, through. Essentially, they were giving the money to us. We would put it into our account, and then I kept an Excel spreadsheet and then calculated interest on a monthly monthly basis. It gave them an opportunity to save money and to earn interest and they could see that interest compounding every month which was which which is what the point was if it had just been in a regular savings account at the bank at the time now currently interest rates are a little more attractive at, at the banks uh, right now but at the time it just simply wasn't going to give them the return that was going to uh, be exciting to put money into savings so on the savings front we set up that cooper savings and loan account with us on the checking front when they moved into i don't know about middle school age um we have one of our banks is with capital one and i set up teen accounts with capital one and i'm basically a joint owner of their accounts so i see all that i have all their accounts linked to my app on my phone and we set each of the older three up with a checking account that has a debit card tied to it and through the capital one app i can easily move money into and out of their account and I could set up the automatic allowance system through that and that's worked fairly well for them they all have uh, a smartphone so they have the capital one app on their phone and and they can use apple pay or and they have a debit card tied to it uh, so that's worked great for their checking and then maybe in the last year year and a half or so uh, we realized that we were really missing out by them not having venmo accounts tied to their tied to their phones as well. So they all have Venmo now, which um, makes it a lot easier uh, 
Because I was the only joint owner of their account, Kristen wasn't able to see it on her phone, so she needed me to move money. I had to, I had, she had to text me, and then I'd have to move it, and uh, just kind of one big pain in the butt. But once we got them all set up on Venmo, uh, it, it it's made the shifting of money around a lot easier. And as you can imagine, with teenagers, you know they'll all pile in the car and go out to get burgers somewhere it's one personal pay and then the other two will just have to uh will just shift money over using venmo and that just works uh really really well so they don't have uh, i guess we have one kid that's got a pile of cash <laughs> i think in a box downstairs but the other ones um, i don't think have too much actual cash um mm-hmm. in their in their rooms but yeah so set, uh, you know don't be afraid to set up accounts you know they have teen accounts that are um you can be a joint owner on and and they're just as secure as your accounts and that gives them the experience of adulting with money in an account and uh, you know the opportunity to to interact with money in in a very adult manner so we have one kid who graduated high school not too long ago. Can you talk about how we are transitioning our oldest kid out of allowance system and into adulthood? Yeah, so um, one of the things we did with this whole allowance thing is as the kids found jobs, we began to uh, give them less and less. Basically, our expectation has been once you have a job, we are going to expect that you're going to pay for more of your stuff that we were paying for before. Um, so those camps and some of their clothes, we began, we will, we, we began to draw down how much we were giving them for allowance. And, and once they had a job, you know, they, it was expected that they were going to be able, they were going to begin paying for their stuff. And that was just our expectation from the beginning. And that's worked out pretty well. And then essentially what happens is they get a job we basically draw down their allowance to most basically nothing. Um, if they happen to be doing a lot of driving for us, be, you know, depending on who who how many drivers we have at the time and whatever, we you know we may keep giving them some some money for gas or something like that. But um, you know, by the time they're eighteen or whatever, it's we're not really giving them any kind of allowance anymore. I mean, Le- you know, Levi, you know, he works quite a bit and is making plenty of money uh, to afford all of the stuff that he's wanting to do. So uh, as he begins to transition out, he's of course 18 now, and uh, we've encouraged him to get a credit card uh, because he's got no credit because he's had no debt. So he didn't take out a car loan when he bought a car. And so uh, he's got a secured credit card uh, through Capital One, I think, and that will allow him to begin building credit. Our opinion is is that uh, using a credit card is, um, is is a is a good thing as long as you're paying it off every month and you're responsible with the risk associated with having a credit card and and making sure that you don't overextend yourself. And when you have no credit, it's a secured card anyway. So. Uh, for instance, if he wants a $500 credit limit, he'll have to deposit $500 into the bank, into the credit card bank. So it's sort of like using cash anyway at that age. But he needs to start building credit because if he needs to take out a loan for something, or certainly if, when he goes to take out a mortgage, I certainly don't want to co-sign on that mortgage for him. So uh, that's one thing that we've just recently dealt with for him um, on that, that front. And then you know, he's withdrawing all of his money now out of the Cooper savings and loan. And we've talked about what the best options are for him. And 
you know, depending on kind of the state of the, you know, the banks and the interest rates associated and whether you want to move some of it into an investment account or um, obviously everyone's situation is a little different and this is certainly not financial advice. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he needs to move that money that he's saved up in savings into somewhere that's fairly secure that will give him a return on the, on his, uh, on his money, you know, so that in two or three, four or five years when he's ready to maybe want to use some of that money to put a down payment on a house or something, it's there and available and, and, um, and ready for him. And, uh, we haven't taken me off his joint checking account yet that's sort of the next thing we've got to do is get me off of that but you know transitioning out he's he's already been paying for his own stuff for years he's got he's had his own debit card and his own checking account for years um and he's just used to how all of this works so it's really not a big deal i don't think i haven't gotten the sense from him anyway that it's going to be a big deal for him to uh kind of move into that area of adulthood we are still paying for a few things for him. Can you talk about a few things that we will continue to be paying for through college? So, yeah, just like any college kid, uh, especially freshman, um, you know, he'll continue to be on our cell phone plan. Um, he is going to continue to be on our car insurance because uh, his car's in our name and uh, we could put it in his name. But I've been told by a couple people in the insurance industry that his insurance rate on his own would be higher than having it bundled with ours. So we're just keeping it bundled with ours for now. And obviously he'll still be on our health care until he graduates college um, or is no longer a full-time student. I think I can't, I can't remember what the rules are these days on that, yeah. but um, so all the normal stuff that is, you know, normal. And then I'm sure over the next three, four five years, some of that will transition um, just like it did for us when we were that age. So we, uh, set up our kids like they were getting paid on the first of the month. So they on the first of the month, their allowance would transfer automatically into their account, and then they would be res- responsible for expenses that month. One thing we did have a little trouble with was their tithing. The computer set up with the church did not allow kids under 18 to have their own account. So that got a little tricky for us, and they would have to transfer their tithe to our account and then we would have to tithe for them and keep track of that but um maybe your church has a more user-friendly uh, database for that one other thing i just wanted to say was each of our kids was not exactly the same in the amount of money that they were getting so i've never been a huge fan of making my life making my kids lives fair and making sure each kid is exactly the same in what we're doing with them. And each of our kids was unique in how they handled money, and so we came up with plans that were unique for them. So some of our kids got a little bit higher allowance than others, but for instance, Molly was paying for all her own clothes and Noah was not, so she had a little bit higher allowance because of that. Our kids were very involved in a lot of church activities and a lot of the social activities cost money. So it kind of depended on who was going to what and different grades cost different amounts depending on what they were doing for that. So don't be afraid if you have different amounts for your kids, that's okay. So as we're wrapping up here, um, based on what we talked about, we've obviously got the three older kids and the two younger ones and um, the things we've talked about so far uh, were sort of our experiment with this type of thing with the older three. 
Uh, but now that we have the younger two coming up, do you think there's anything you would want to do differently um, based on what we've learned so far with the older kids? Or are you pretty happy with how things have turned out with those kids? I'm pretty happy with how things have turned out with our older three kids. So I really think we should plan to do the same thing with our younger two. So our number four is going into fifth grade and number five is going into second grade. So probably next year, our fourth daughter, we will probably get her started on this allowance system and get her set up with a debit card and begin teaching her about money. But she's already been doing the envelope system with spend, save, and give. We don't really continue the envelope system after sixth grade. It kind of becomes more digital because they're transferring money for tithe. We're automatically transferring money into their accounts on the first of the month, like a paycheck that they then have to budget for the whole month. But they're already in the habit of 10% tithe, 10% spent or save, and then the rest for spending. So overall, I'm really happy with the allowance system with the older three and plan to continue that with the younger two. Yeah, and I just uh, want to reiterate that it's important to be flexible with these types of things. Um, life isn't fair. Things don't have to be equal. And depending on the personalities of your kids, we've had to we've we've had arguments with some of them about about money. I think we've had arguments with all three of them um, over the years about um, why we're doing things slightly different with you know them than their siblings or. You know, it's not fair what we're doing or, you know, our intent on all of this isn't to withhold fun things or things that they need. It's to give them the resources and the opportunity to manage those resources to achieve, you know, to be able to do the fun things that they want to do. It's really important on a lot of this stuff that we're talking about that we are the the end goal is to teach our kids how to become adults and we're going to do a separate podcast on that but um when i went to freshman orientation with levi for college they talked a lot about kids coming in as freshmen don't know how to manage money they rack up their credit cards they can't handle all the expenses and being 18 and being an adult and they're completely overwhelmed and really struggling and we just really don't want that for our kids so we're just trying to be proactive and that's the whole idea of this is teaching our kids to be adults and being proactive with how they can become adults yeah and it's okay for them to feel some pain when they're young and and have to say no to things because they can't afford to do it because they didn't plan their money right and if they're disappointed, oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's it's life. You know, there's disappointments because you can't, you don't have money to go do something that you want to do because you didn't plan well. And um, I think that's an okay lesson for them to learn when they're young. And I would rather they're learning those lessons under my roof than out in the real world. And so it's painful sometimes to watch them be disappointed Another thing that freshman orientation talked a lot about for us as parents was that we live in a culture of parents who swoop in and fix everything. And that's making college and real life really hard for these kids at 18 because their parents have fixed everything. They've paid for everything. They've swooped in and 
changed everything and made everything amazing. And that's just not real life. So the end goal is we're teaching them to be adults and we're teaching them how the real world works and we're teaching them how to budget, how to be an adult, how to handle their money. That's right. That's a good word. (laughs) All right. With that, I think we'll wrap up. Thanks for listening today. For more resources, check us out on Facebook or thehomegrownfamily.org.